Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hey everybody, welcome and thank you for listening or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I'm Sturdy McKee, business coach and advisor and your host. I am really excited to have my friend here today, my next guest, Dr. Joanne Michelle Martin. Uh, Dr. Martin is a physical therapist. She's a private practice owner and one of the founders of the Black Female Foundation, a project that helps female, Black, Indigenous, people of color business owners get paid for showing up as themselves. Dr. Martin is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and her clinical practice is primarily focused on pelvic health. Um, thanks very much for being here, Dr. Martin. Thank you so much for having me. Always a fun time chatting with you. Yeah, <laughs> good. So will you please tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So I'm Dr. Jan Michelle Martin. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. I've been practicing for about 14 years now as a physical therapist. Um, some in the or mostly in the orthopedic um, sphere, um, a little bit in pediatrics, and then um, branched on, off a few years ago into pelvic health as I had a lot of those patients in my ortho practice that I was seeing and wanted to kind of dive into helping that population a little bit more. So currently my practice, JMM Health Solutions, is located in Atlanta. Um, I serve both adults and children, so men and women and children, um, with pelvic floor issues. Um, I also um, offer virtual and in-person sessions, and you, we, we all know how important virtual sessions are these days um, with everything going on with the pandemic. So, and that's been something that even prior to the pandemic, I was offering for my clients because I found the value um, in just being able to meet people where they were. Um, and so my patients have always marveled at, at how, you know, it was convenient, how it was easy. Um, and, you know, I even had some say, why well, don't more people do this? I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> um, and, and that kind of started when I started my practice, my kids were toddlers. So a lot of it also had to do with, you know, what worked best from a business perspective and what worked best for me as a mom, because the mom world is a huge part of who I am. Um, and then just recently, a colleague and really dear friend of mine and I decided to, to focus in on minority women and we looked at with everything going on last year with the challenges with businesses folding with the racial tensions and all these different things happening in our society we were like what can we do you know how can we help our sisters how can we help our people how can we help women in general move forward you know in business move forward with confidence move forward with intent and we came up with the black female foundation and our focus is really working with business owners within the first five years of their entrepreneurial journey um, to help them to really level up in business um, just focusing in on the things that you know make us us the things that make us unique which although they make us unique sometimes they can bring the most challenges right those differences because you know, other people may not be able to identify with them. They become targets. Um, but being able to use those, you know, in a positive light, being able to put a spin on them and, and you know, build courage and build strength and continue to focus in and then therefore be able to branch out and build our businesses, build our practices and thrive. So we started doing that. We started our first cohort in the fall and it was really well received. And we started again with another cohort this year as well. So I'm really, really excited to take these business owners on a journey and really watch them grow. Well, thank you for that. So how did you get started in business and was JMM Health Solutions sorry, your first business? So yeah, so I got started in business. Um, as a clinician, I was a 
as a, you know, clinic director, like probably most PTs and, you know, you kind of look at how things were done and you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> and <laughs> what? This, this is like pulling teeth. Why does it have to be so hard? Um, and, but because, you know, it's, it's not your business, it's someone else's baby and, and they want things a certain way. Sometimes there can be a bit of friction in that. And sometimes not everyone is amenable to change. Um, when I had my daughter, though, I left the private practice arena, I left outpatient clinical practice, and I was in the hospital. Um, and that was where I was transitioning my love for women's health for pelvic health there, because I was working mother baby labor and delivery. And even at the hospital, I was like, we're missing out on so much as um, we're missing out on so much as, as you know, a business as an entity, as a hospital, um, being able to serve women, being able to serve the people that walk through these doors, there's so much more that we can do. Unfortunately, again, dealing with the bureaucracy that exists in larger organizations, it was a little bit of, all right, this is never gonna happen. (laughs) And so it was part frustration, but part wanting to have the autonomy to do the things that I felt like were needed in serving patients being able to meet people where they were, not being tethered to insurance, not being tethered to some specific mandate, um, and just being able to, you know, be with my patients. So I started my practice. I actually, when I started my business, I started it just working contract as a contractor and consulting um, pelvic health with other practices. And then I decided, okay, let's, let's do this thing. Let's, instead of dipping the toe <laughs> in the water, let's just do this thing. And so I did. Um, And again, like I said, my kids were babies. My kids were toddlers. And so I decided that I was gonna go about it in a way where I could go to my patient's home. So I was doing mobile, but I was also doing virtual. And I'd done that before, um, especially when I worked in peds and I found it worked really, really well for the families. And that was just because in working in pediatrics, you know, you might have one parent at a session, the other parent at work, nobody talks, (laughs) nobody knows what's going on. It doesn't matter how pretty the handout is you give them. It doesn't matter if you gave them a video. And so I was like, hey, let's jump on a Zoom. Let's jump on a Skype. Let's jump on WhatsApp and see what's happening. And the parents were really happy. So the parents actually started looking forward to that. And some of them had asked, hey, can we do this? And it was only like 15 minutes. It was just a check-in like, hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything? What's, you know, where are we struggling this week? How's my baby doing? that kind of thing. And then even with my, my pelvic health clients, you know, how are we doing? How are your symptoms? You know, where are we at? Is there anything that you're finding difficult? Is there anything we need to change? That was it. It wasn't any big to do. It was just really a check-in, but everybody felt cared for. And so when I started my practice, it was home visits and virtual. And there's something about being able to go into the home and see a person. Mm -hmm. And, um, know, just offering them care. There's, you know, there's level of comfort that they have because they're in their own space. But you also get to see a lot of stuff that you can't recreate in a clinical setting. Um, And so then beyond that, I decided to branch out into, um, you know, having some office space as well so that clients can now come to me. So my practice has evolved over the years, um, still delivering the same level of care, still being able to serve people at a very high level and just very grateful that I get to do it. Very cool. Um, so you gave us a little bit of why you decided to start your, your business, but do you wish you had done it at all differently when you, when you began? 
Part of me does, but in, in the sense of um, the, the brick and mortar, because mm-hmm. let me tell you, driving around Atlanta in the summer, no fun. And as far as the, the brick and mortar, though, you know, what I found myself doing, I was constantly referring patients out because I have people who are calling me from an hour, two hours away who were willing mm-hmm. to come to me. Um, and, but I didn't have a physical space and I certainly wasn't going to drive two hours away. So I was constantly referring, um, patients out to other practitioners, which is fine. And truth be told that that turned out to be a blessing because I've been able to build good relationships with those other practitioners, you know, even though they're in, within the same niche as I am. And, and some people get uncomfortable with that because they think it's a competition thing. And I find it's a way for, for all of us to continue to help people, you know, so that if I can't do it, you know what, but I know somebody who's amazing that can, um, and I can get them to that person. Um, but some part, parts of me wished that I did start um, seeing clients in the brick and mortar a little bit earlier and establishing that. Um, parts of me also recognized that, you know, as a mom, I needed that flexibility um, mm-hmm. that I was allowed when I first started my practice. So it's, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, but all in all, I, you know, there's been a lot of growth over the years. So I, I definitely can't complain. Cool. Um, when you, we'll come back because I've lost my train of thought all of a sudden. <laughs> no, the virtual, sorry, the virtual thing. You did that in such a natural way and it's centered around your your customers, right? It was what was going to be best for them. So I love that. I think that's um, something a lot of people can learn from and embrace that if you can better serve them and, and augment whatever it is you're providing, whatever it is you're doing for them, that that's just a really nice, also I appreciate the way you did it, not as a big to-do, not as just as a, an obvious adjunct, you get them comfortable with it, they buy in, they liked it, you do it again. I mean, that's, that's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. If more people could do that with their businesses, that would just be, yeah. Um, so tell me this, what motivated you a little bit more maybe to co-found uh, the Black Female Foundation? Well, I'm Black, I'm a female, <laughs> <laughs> the obvious, um, but... Uh, you know, well, it's, it's, not necessarily for those listening, right? Anybody who's watching, right? We got it. <laughs> Maybe for those watching, for those listening, just so you know. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's interesting, the journeys that we all have, um, mm-hmm. regardless of, of our fields, regardless of our careers. But, you know, as much as sometimes we do try to deny it, and I certainly have over the years, race can sometimes be a factor and it can mm-hmm. play a role. Um, and, and there are things that, you know, culturally, it may be cultural, it may be, you know, presence. And I remember when, um, so little things, right. And note to everybody, don't, don't, don't you ever touch anybody's hair without asking permission. Um, <laughs> I, I would go, yes. I would work and people would just, I had dreads and, you know, so I would, you know, wear it different ways. And I just have people come up to me. Is that your hair? And they're they're grabbing my hair, and I'm like, oh, you're in my space. <laughs> we we had this conversation last night at dinner. My daughter was like, she, yeah, she was like, this woman. These people try. People at school try to touch her hair. It's one of the things she likes about the virtual learning, because nobody mm-hmm. will touch. Try to reach out and touch her hair. And just for context, 
Um, their mom's Asian. She has kind of lighter highlighted reddish hair. People think she die, dyes it and all this stuff. And they like of all, and it's not, it's not one group. <laughs> Lots mm-hmm. of different it's people. Really will read. It's like, it's, yeah, that's. It's really not. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's funny is kind of like when you're pregnant and you walk through a store and this has totally happened to oh. me and random people you don't know, try to touch your stomach. And it's like, who are you? Like, why are you talking my, to me? My, my wife became like a jujitsu master. <laughs> oh my yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say I did I did happen to smack a, a little old lady, but it was totally out of reach. Like I had no idea who this lady was. And she just walked up to me. And at that time I wasn't pregnant anymore, but I had my baby and my daughter was sleeping. So I had her in the carrier on me. She was sleeping and I had a blanket over her. And I don't know if the blanket had like a big neon sign that said, remove and look at the baby. But this old lady just comes up, pulls the blanket off my daughter. We're in the middle of the supermarket near the back of the frozen foods. And I just smacked her. And I was like, then I was like, oh my God, did I really? I'm so sorry. But don't touch her. But it's, it's amazing. How then I people may not mean any malice by it, no, but whether but... it is using whether it's things like that invading people's personal space, whether it is using terms which they may not even be aware is derogatory, but but they are. Right. Um, whether it is making comments that again they may not assume are condescending, but it really does belittle the minority individual because mm. it it connotes it gives it the connotation that you know, we are not enough, we cannot do, you know, you will never, and oftentimes some, they start like that, you know, oh, you want to be a manager? Why? You should, you should just keep working as an employee. You know, you're not cut out for this, you know, really just, just trying to keep people down. And what happened, you know, Dr. Donnell and I last summer did a panel discussion and we did it on um, race and healthcare. We did um, the patient perspective, and then we did the clinician perspective. And it was really interesting when we, as we were researching this, as we were talking to different people, as we were looking at research, as we were looking at the things that exist. So we weren't, I mean, this stuff we were making up, this was an anecdotal, (laughs) you know, we were looking at the stuff that exists, you know. It was amazing, you know, things like the research study that came out in 2018 that stated that, you know, physicians assumed that, that black people felt pain differently, you know, and, and, and so they didn't, they assumed they had a higher pain tolerance. So black people were oftentimes not given pain medication, even when they complained of pain, because mm-hmm. it was assumed that they sensed pain differently. Um, and I was like, in 2018 though, really guys? <laughs> exactly. And so all these different things, you know, and then looking at the staggering numbers of the makeup of healthcare professionals, minorities as healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's very interesting, especially when we look and see that a lot of the people, especially in marginalized communities typically tend to be minority. And then you look at, you know, they don't have people that look like them. And sometimes mm-hmm. it, it can be miscommunication. Again, we go back to culture, we go back to certain nuances that someone that sometimes looks like you can better be able to help and address. So going through all of that, you know, getting feedback from individuals who watch the panel discussions, who love them. um, And then all of a sudden, all these clinicians started coming out of the woodwork. 
oh my gosh, this was my experience at work. This was my experience. These are the things that happened to me. Um, you know, this is what I've been going through. And Danelle and I were like, well, crap. I mean, you know, kind of that, well, we thought it was just us kind of moment. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and, and, and so we were like, well, this is crazy. And then talking to people about, okay, why do you not want to move forward? Why, you know, if this is a case and this is happening in your environment, what's stopping you from taking a step away from that? Um, and some people have been told, you know, well, you'll never make it in business or, you know, nobody will want to buy from you um, and, and different things like that. And I remember when I started my practice, I had people say, oh, are you starting it with somebody? Oh, it's just <laughs> you? Oh, I'm like, is that a problem? I'm sorry, I'm confused. Or, you know, how much are you, is that what you're charging people? You think people are going to pay you that? I'm like, yeah, do you know how much people pay for their dogs and their cats? <laughs> yeah, pretty sure that people will pay you that for themselves. <laughs> and, and so it, it was just interesting to me. And we decided, you know what, we really want to, especially those clinicians who have taken the step, because that first step, into business ownership, into entrepreneurship is scary. It's mm -hmm. scary. It's a new world. It's like, oh crap, what if this doesn't work? Um, and I think that that's the same for everybody. But when you add all these layers on top of it, you know, you're a female. So, and you, we look at business and see that business is a predominantly male run, mm -hmm. you know, or, or even when most people think of business, they think of men more so than they think of women as business people. Just by default, um, right? Yeah, just by default, even though now the majority of entrepreneurs are female. Um, so they, but, but the mentality hasn't changed. And so, you know, when you add the layer that they're female, then you add the layer of minority, and then you continue to add these other layers, maybe they're an immigrant also. They, there are a lot of things that, these individuals may have to struggle with that aren't necessarily talked about in your average business course or mm -hmm. your average mentoring program. And so we wanted to, to create something where we could target what we thought were the important fundamentals, mindset, um, business fundamentals, and then a community, building a community, a community, curating a community to better serve women and minority women, um, so that as we grow, as we thrive, we can continue to pull our sisters up. You know, it doesn't matter if you're Black, Hispanic, um, Native American, Asian, whatever. Let's pull each other up and let's go ahead and continue to help each other grow and thrive in business. Yeah, I love what you said, because I think going out there, especially your first time, for anybody is really frightening, but then you keep adding on these, especially that societal feedback stuff right, that you mentioned. I mean, we all run into doubts, but you've got to be confident in yourself and getting those questions and kind of constant challenges. For some people, that's fuel, but that's not the majority. For most, that's really undermining. And, you know, that can be devastating to somebody who's already nervous, already scared, already not sure, right? They're taking a risk. So, um, by the way, if you're listening, you know somebody, support them when they decide to go out and do their own thing. Um, cool. So in addition to that, I mean, you're running your practice. You founded uh, BFF um, with Dr. Dixon, who we will talk about later. Or actually, she's going to be a guest in, a, in a, another month or two. Um, but you're also a wife and a mother. 
And like so many business owners, you know, struggling with all these different demands on your time, what advice would you give? What tricks or secrets have you learned that have helped you to manage those kind of competing priorities in your time? Boundaries are important. If you have none, get some. <laughs> um, They're super important because you have to start creating um, some sort of distinction between what's work, what's for family, what's for you, because you still need to take a breather every now and again. Um, and I, I remember the first year doing this, you know, driving all over the place. You got to go get the kids from my kids were in preschool at the time. Got to go get the kids from preschool, bring them home, got to cook dinner. I'm tired. Sometimes I didn't even eat because I would be at the table while they were eating and just fall asleep. <laughs> I'm like, thankfully, I hadn't done the whole face in the plate of food thing because I at least smart enough to shift it over. <laughs> but there were times that I couldn't even eat. I was so tired. Um, or there were times when, you know, I was trying to, oh God, I got to answer that email. I got to answer that text message. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. When, what clicked for me, my daughter was probably four, maybe five. She was probably five. And my daughter said, mommy, you're always on your phone. And it might not seem like much because I'm like, yeah, well, my phone and my email and stuff like that's all connected. So that is just easier than using the laptop. But then I stopped to think like, that's what I'm thinking in my mind, but she didn't care. She didn't know. Right. And all she sees is me in this phone. And I was like, oh, oh, I need to do better. And so I had to start learning and it, and it's been a work in progress over the years. I'd be lying if I told you it was perfect. It, you know, I had to start somewhere right. though. And I had to start creating boundaries and setting firmer boundaries and really creating time. And, you know, so I started doing a lot of a, a better job of time blocking, mm -hmm. you know, what was work, um, what was for my family you know, what was for my kids, what was for my spouse, you know, because one of the things I like to do with them is we do, we do dates. And so I'll take my kids on a date. Like, hey, where do we want to do? What's our date going to be? Are we going to go to the park? Are we going to have a picnic? Or, well, we don't go out to eat because of COVID, but, you know, do we want to do a picnic? Do we want to do this? Do we want to do that? And, um, and, you know, they get, sometimes it's kids choice, but, you know, things like that so that they still feel like, okay, mommy is here. Even though, you know, I might say, well, I'm not doing anything between eight and nine o'clock. Don't care what it is, you know, as much as possible because I can spend time with them. Then when they go to sleep at 10 o'clock, I'm up working like, okay, I really need to get this done. Um, so it's, it's, it's just kind of managing things in a way that, you know, you figure out what's best for you. I think everyone is going to be different. You know, I've, I've got friends that have multiple kids. I have two. And some days I think it's a struggle. I have friends with five and six and I'm like, how are you still smiling though? Like, <laughs> how? I, I mean, I have a friend and she's the happiest person in the world. Why are you so happy? Are you on something? I asked her that the other day. Something you can tell me we're friends, <laughs> but she's just always so happy. She was like, listen, you know, you, you you've got to be, I live for today. That's it. I don't care about tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, I'll deal with it. And I was like, I like that. And, so, mm. and that's her thing. You know, she's like, that's how I, I'm at it. Um, and so I think it's just figuring out what works for you and your family. My family is my number one priority. So everything, including my business, has to revolve around that. 
And that's, that's what I've decided to do. So that's kind of how it started and how it works for us and, you know, how it'll keep going. Well, thank you. That's great. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, you've said something there, like it's not perfect, right? If I told you it was, it'd be lying. That I, I see that so often and with just business owners in general, and part of it isn't that they're, they're misrepresenting. You know, we ask how it's going, what you're doing. They don't want to burden each other with all the stuff that's going on. So we all put our best foot forward. We talk about the positives, the wins, but we're painting kind of this rosy picture. And one of the things I get to see behind the curtain on so many businesses and talking with so many owners is that everybody's dealing with some kind of challenge, right? I, I got an email promo this morning, by the way, it was like, oh, it'll all run seamlessly like clockwork. And I'm like, no, it won't. It never, I mean, it doesn't matter if you've been in business 10 years or five years or 30, there are new challenges and problems. So um, along those lines, would you mind sharing any of the kind of current challenges that you're coming up against and maybe what you're doing about those? Um, because that just seems to be an ongoing theme in business. Nobody has it fully figured out. Um, and I think it's really important that we hear that from each other. So I don't know so much if it is a challenge, um, but but it, but at times it has been so COVID. <laughs> so even though I am a telehealth practitioner, I do have a lot of clients who either prefer to be seen because that's what their expectation of therapy is. And usually I don't fight people. I'm, I'm blessed to have my setup in a way that if they want to be seen in person, they can. And usually what I will tell people is, I offer in-person and I offer virtual sessions. What I love to do is meet you in person, start to build that relationship, identify what's happening. So through that initial evaluation and out of that, we can determine what the next best step would be. And so sometimes if, if this, the situation is not as severe as we might have thought it was, um, maybe then we could definitely transition to virtual sessions with a probably an in-person follow-up in there. So a lot of the patients I have, that's really an easy way to get them into doing those virtual sessions. Um, because of COVID, I've waived our, um, our cancellation policy for those who have, you know, have canceled because of COVID, not just because they're sure. like, yes, I'm out of town. You didn't know last week you were going to be out of town today. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Versus the J we got COVID, which is so funny. The year started and the first, the first Tuesday of the year, I had five cancellations in one day, three of whom had COVID. Wow. Yeah. Coming out of that new year's weekend. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, okay, that's all right. Get better, get healthy. And the two that weren't, they got tested. They were negative. They didn't have any symptoms, but it's just that someone they had been in contact with ended up testing positive yeah. or was in contact with another person. And so they were like, Jay, I said, go get tested. You're fine. Um, and so it's, you know, that, that in and of itself, it's not something that I can stop. You know, it's not something that I can control. Right. So, you know, trying to figure out the best way to make sure that patients are okay. And usually when that happens, I say, Hey, let's go ahead, you know, let's go ahead and just switch it to a virtual session. You know, let's go ahead. And, and for some people, they're like, well, it still work. Absolutely. You know, there's still so much that we can do. Remember last week, how we were going over these specific things, or we went over these specific mm -hmm. educational tools, or we went over these specific exercises. We can totally still do that. in, in you know, in the, the um, virtual space. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been having to explain a little bit more to people 
Um, you know, you would think that even with COVID, more people would be accustomed to that, but they're still not. Uh, so it's it's been it's been a little challenging in that regard. But overall, I've been really really blessed. Um, this last year, despite all the craziness going on with COVID, because I was running another program, Zero to Telehealth, which helps clinicians to get into the telehealth space. So those who were not using telehealth help them to incorporate it mm -hmm. in their practice, either exclusively or as an adjunct to what they're doing. And I've been doing that since 2018 or 2019, 2019, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and so when COVID hit, I was like, okay, we'll just ramp up zero to telehealth. And we just keep doing that. Cause I would do one-on-one -on -one consults with clinicians. I had a coaching program. I was doing all that stuff. So I didn't, you know, even when patients were afraid to come on and some of my older patients um, that I see for pelvic floor issues don't have email, don't do video chat. I mean, you know, I was like, gosh, and here I was thinking all grandmas have an iPhone, um, but some, <laughs> of them, some of them don't do it, you know? And so it's trying to figure out, okay, well, if we can't do that, let's go ahead. I'll jump on the phone. I'll call you every now and again, just to check in. And when you feel comfortable, let's get you back into the clinic. Um, so that they don't feel pressured, but you know, I also know that they're okay. They're doing okay. Well, yeah. And they feel supported, not abandoned as well. So that that's great. Um, so what's one of your proudest moments in business? Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> I think, well, starting the business for one, reaching a year. I mean, we're going to be, tomorrow's my three-year anniversary. Woo! Congratulations. <laughs> um, reaching three years, because what are the stats? Like 50% of businesses fail in the first two years. So when I reached year two, I was like, woohoo, I'm the top 50. <laughs> um, and just just the realization that I can do this, I am doing this, like that's mm -hmm. that's been huge. That's been huge. Because if you'd asked me even five years ago, would you be a business owner? I was like, oh, God, no. Who wants that headache? <laughs> <laughs> all the time. And I had a friend who started his business about five years ago. And he was like, Jay, you should start a business. Misery likes company is what my grandmother used to say. No, I'm good. I'll let you do that. And he was like, no, you should. I'm okay. I'm okay. But thank you. Thank you so much. And, you right. know. But look now, fast forward, and he he messaged me some some weeks back, and he says, mm -hmm. "Misery likes company, doesn't it? Hey, company." <laughs> I was like, well, you might have been right. Go ahead and gloat, but it's it's just been a fun journey, and I I'm just proud to say that I've made it. You know, three years into it, you know, things are going well still. Thank God. Um, so that's that's really a shining moment for me. That's cool. Well, congratulations on the anniversary. I didn't, I didn't know that one. Um, so what's like the, one of the biggest things you've learned recently that you wish you had learned five, 10 years ago? Hmm. Automation is a heck of a thing. That wasn't a recent thing learned, but it was one of the things, the biggest things learned is automation is a mm -hmm. heck of a thing. Um, if you what? can get systems in place, that work for you, oh God, it makes your life so much easier. <laughs> I just, because when I started, I just, you know, I was bootstrapping everything, you right. know, doing everything manually, which is why it took 10 times as long. And, you know, it's just, it was a process. And then you learn how to automate stuff and you're like, 
oh my God, why, why would, did I not think this before? Did somebody tell me this? Do people not love me that they didn't tell me this before? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I think, I think that's huge. Yeah. Well, and having all those processes, I, that's pillar one of my programs because so many owners, even when you're, even when you have to do it, like somebody has to perform it, you want that mm -hmm. to be repeatable and document it and get it out of your head. So you're not the font of all knowledge and the source of everything. Yeah, the, the reduction in interruptions, the streamlining of your own time. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so any favorite business books or articles or anything that you're finding interesting, intriguing right now? Um, I absolutely love Profit First and I'm going through it again. I love that book. I think I'm a firm believer. I mean, my family's always been a stickler on personal finances. Um, and so going into the business, I wanted to make sure that business finances were also equally addressed. Um, and so I found that book to be very helpful. I thought it to be very interesting the first go around. And so now I'm trying to go through it again, just to kind of narrow, narrow down and zone in on, on a lot of the things that they've talked about in there, but it's a really good read. Um, also a really good read um, is Business Made Simple. I love Donald Miller. Um, his books are really good. And he came out with, which one did he come out with? Oh, Business Made Simple might be the new one. That's the one I'm going through now as well. He had Marketing Made Simple, and then he had The Story Brands. And those are three mm -hmm. really, really great books. Um, just, just, I mean, they flow so easy. And the way that it's written, it's like, well, this makes so much sense oh, well, that's easy. You know, it's, it's written in such a way, it's almost like all these little mini aha moments and it doesn't overcomplicate things, so. Oh, that's huge. That's a, that's a huge thing. So yeah, thank you for that too, because so there, you have enough complexity, all, everybody listening to this, business owners, you have enough complexity in your life that you don't need somebody making it more difficult or more complicated. Simplifications. Absolutely key. Um, cool. So are there any other thoughts that you'd like to leave us with before we wrap up? Um, I think for those, those in business, those starting out business, um, you know, don't go at it alone. Find people who are already on the journey. Find people who are doing it. I mean, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. Like seriously, even if you, even if you think I want to do this, I'm going to be successful. That's great. Very admirable. Now go find a friend. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, it's better when you're, you're doing it together. It's better when you have people there for that support. And not only that, not only to support you, but if you're, you know, you're doing something that makes absolutely no sense to have somebody that can say, that makes absolutely no sense. Try this. Or how about you look at it a different way? You know, um, it's not always going to be rosy and, you know, or your critiques may not always be rosy, but have those trusted people that can kind of steer you in the right direction. Um, similarly, if you are a minority and you're listening to this, please, please, please go ahead and check out www.theblackfemalefoundation.com. Um, and look at our business incubator coaching program. We really, when we, like I said, when we created that program, it was really with the intention of, you know, addressing the things that we thought were most important to minority, minorities in business, that mindset, 
that clarity, that vision is that first pillar, um, going into the business fundamentals, and then finally creating that community for them to thrive. Mm -hmm. So if you are a minority business owner within the first five years of your business and really looking to grow and thrive, then definitely um, give us a shout, um, Dr. Danelle Dixon and myself, we would love to have you. Um, and then, yeah, I think for all the business owners out there that are already crushing it, you know, especially despite COVID, um, keep crushing it in 2021, you know? Well, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate having you, Dr. Martin. Thanks thank so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening.